All right. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Compass Point, this podcast from the Center for Public Policy at VCU's Wilder School. My name is Brittany Keegan, and I am the Director of Research and Outreach. And my name is Allie Folk, and I am a Wilder Fellow at the Center for Public Policy. And today we are joined by Dr. Shelley Smith, who leads up our Translational Research Fellows Program. So, Shelley, can you please start um, just by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about the program, uh, maybe some of the benefits and what it's all about? Sure. Thanks for having me. So, uh, my name is Shelley Smith, and I'm an associate professor at the School of Nursing. And so then the natural question is, well, what are you doing at the School of Policy? <laughs> so, uh, or the Center for Policy. <laughs> a few years ago when the Translational Research Fellowship launched, I was a fellow um, and then had the opportunity to take over the position of the Translational Research uh, Fellow in Residence last year. And so that is a big uh, fancy title. What But what it really means is that I'm the faculty member who mentors uh, our fellows who are also faculty members and how to be content experts uh, with folks uh, who are in the public policy arena. So basically what the program does is it takes uh, faculty whose research aligns with public policy initiatives for the Commonwealth and we arrange three meetings for that fellow or faculty member with legislators or other key public policy makers so that they can share the outcomes of their research with the public policy official to help inform public policy moving forward. Great. So what are the benefits of being a fellow in this program? Um, And then what are the benefits to policymakers? Yeah, so I think for faculty, one of the greatest benefits is it can be professionally rewarding, which sounds probably a little cheesy, but you, you do a lot of time as a faculty member and as a researcher in your world where you have develop a lot of expertise around one particular content area, and you can disseminate that knowledge through publications and um, other channels, but typically you reach other folks in your field. And so this gives them an opportunity to cast a broader net so that they may have a, their research findings may have a bigger impact. And I think for legislators, it helps give them a resource that isn't asking for anything. Uh, our fellows aren't advocating, they're not lobbying, they're simply there to share research outcomes that may help influence decision making. So that as a policymaker, you have someone that you can go to, that you can trust, that they're giving you good, solid information without a particular bias. And I think one of the things that we always try to emphasize is that this program is open to all faculty at VCU um, and on both campuses. So whether you're on the Monroe Park campus or on the MCV campus, um, we welcome everyone. Can you please talk a little bit about the application process um, and just how faculty members can, you know, apply and go through that process and hopefully get involved in this program? Yeah, so I think that was a great point, Brittany, and I thank you for bringing that out. I am actually term faculty, so research can mean a lot of different things. I'm not a grant-funded researcher, and my area of interest uh, is around um, healthcare, specifically about role delineation uh, around nurse practitioners and scope of practice. So I would use the word research broadly, and probably outcomes or evidence is is a more encompassing term. For the application process, uh, it's pretty straightforward. You can visit the Translational Research Fellowship uh, webpage and click on the application, and it's some pretty simple questions. And one is just telling us a little bit about your content area. We want to make sure that we 
are respectful of everyone's time and select fellows whose subject matter is on the agenda for policymakers in the Commonwealth during the, the same time frame so that everybody gets a good experience. Um, in addition, we do ask that faculty provide a letter of support from their supervisor uh, just to make sure that the the time that is required to go on the legislative visits and to prepare your information is approved by your supervisor. And then for the timing, I think it's usually um, in March when the application deadline is? Yes, so applications are currently open, and we typically um, welcome our next cohort of fellows at the end of March. We like to wait until the legislative session is over because that's a bit of a busy time and not a good time to uh, give the applications the uh, time that they deserve. So applications are open. We'd encourage you to apply, and then we plan on uh, letting folks know by the end of March. So once a person is accepted into the program, what exactly is the process that follows after that? Yeah, so that part can be a little challenging because most of us like a checklist and a timeline. <laughs> I want to do this on that day, but public policy doesn't always work like that. And so what we do is we offer our fellows three legislative visits, and they may be with um, elected officials or they may be with uh, legislative assistants or it may even be with a different kind of government entity that are influential in the public policy making process. We are reliant a bit on our um, public policy friends as to when their schedule permits. So there's no hard deadlines of you're going to get three visits in six months. Um, but we like for folks to have those three visits. The other thing that we offer the fellows is access to um, a Blackboard site where they have some resources on how to translate their evidence into meaningful language for policymakers and some, um, I hate to use the word worksheets, but some guidance documents on how to frame up the conversation so that they get the most out of their time. And because the program um, is fairly small, um, I spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with the fellows as they wish and desire. Um, certainly don't want to impede on anybody's time, but pretty much have an open-door policy to help people get ready. We tend to align fellows um, with policymakers based on their, on their past legislation. And so we teach our fellows how to uh, look at the LIS system so that they can see what bills and who patron them and, and maybe help uh, designate some of who they would like to visit with. So we really try to make it a two-way street. And can you, what is the LIS system? Can you explain that a little bit, please? I think it's the Legislative Information Services. Yeah, so that's basically a, a public repository that you can search through uh, the General Assembly's website, and you can search by patron, you can search by topic to look at uh, past legislation on that subject matter. And so it can help you identify a, a particular legislator who may be interested in your subject matter. Cool. Thank you. And then what about um, success stories? Do you have any um, stories that like, you're really proud of that have come out of this program? I know you mentioned that you are also a fellow, so you know, please feel free to talk about your own work in the program as well. Yeah, I think we've had some good success. The program's still fairly new, and it's unique to, the, to VCU. We, um, as far as we were able to tell, there are no other programs like this um, really in, in the United States and certainly not in the East Coast, so we're pretty proud of that. And this is our uh, third cohort, and we seem to be gaining a lot of um, momentum in regards to interest and um, a buzz over uh, with our policymaker friends. They're seeming to recognize the program and uh, starting to request a certain subject matter. So we're really gaining speed and we're proud of that. 
As far as individual success stories, um, we do have a fellow uh, in this cohort, uh, Dr. Deborah Barksdale, who is the Associate Dean for Academic Programs at the School of Nursing, who worked um, to write a white paper regarding uh, nurse practitioner training here in the Commonwealth and partnered with um, leaders from other states' universities and presented that white paper uh, with legislators, and it's been uh, very well received. Um, this legislative session, and she's had a, a lot of requests for visits, and I, I, we're seeing some real traction around that. So that's been very exciting for um, nursing education. We had a fellow a few years ago who, um, Dr. Siegel Hawley, whose specialty was around um, school discipline, and uh, she was able to interface with several legislators and see some legislation passed to improve. Uh, the way schools look at school discipline um, as far as best practices. Um, you know, from a faculty perspective, my own experience led to several publications and presentations at, uh, at different conferences, which also help, you know, with our professional development. Not just um, we had success in that the, the meetings led to the successful passing of House Bill 793, which related to nurse practitioner scope of practice. But for me personally, it also uh, gave me further opportunities to uh, develop scholarship. Um, and so there's a lot of um, facets as far as success. And I think that we're seeing growth in the program, which is the biggest indicator of success, in my opinion. That's great. Um, so quick question. So in your own personal opinion, what do you think is the most fulfilling part of being a part of the uh, fellowship? Yeah, I think it really gives faculty the opportunity to feel like they're part of something bigger. They get out of their office or out of their lab or out of their own disciplines, um, literature, and share that information um, with policymakers with the idea that policy could be informed by evidence. And therefore, you have a greater ripple effect, right? It's one thing to write a paper that your colleagues in your field are going to read. It's another thing to educate students who will be leaders in your field after you. Um, and then sort of that macro system is the chance that your work could help inform public policy, uh, which then, of course, has a ripple effect to the citizens of the Commonwealth. And, and I think feedback from faculty really supports that, that that is um, something that they seek um, in their career, and I think that it provides them uh, a sense of purpose and meaning, and so I think that's probably the greatest benefit. Yeah, I like that, and I think, you know, sometimes when we're writing these research papers, we spend so much time on them, and it's, you know, months of researching and writing and putting it together, and then going through the submissions process for those peer-reviewed articles, but then, you know, at the end of the day, we wonder who's reading it um, and what impact it will have, and that's something that we may or may not ever know, and I think with this program, it sounds like there's a real tangible and visible um, impact that you can see in the community. Like, I've never gone through this program, but I mean, that definitely sounds like a major benefit um, for everyone involved. Yeah, and that's our hope, yeah. is this idea of um, implementation science or translational uh, research, the idea of it's getting out of the hand of, of the research team and the expert and into the hands of actual practice or implementation. So in, in this arena, that means uh, translating into informed policy. Right. So I think that's all the questions I have. Allie, do you have anything else? Um, well, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Any, anything we didn't cover? <laughs> no, I think we covered it. I, I mean... I guess selfishly, I'd like to add that I hope that you'll consider applying to the program if you're a faculty listening. Um, 
And if I can answer any questions for you, feel free to reach out to me over at the School of Nursing. I'm more than glad to chat with you. And thanks for the opportunity to highlight the program. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Compass Point.